This is Theology Refresh. I'm David Mathis, and we're talking here today with John Piper about the topic of sanctification. And John, why don't we start off with a definition of what we have in mind with that that theological term of sanctification? Um, it's it's a biblical term. It's not just a theological term like some terms like Trinity or others. Um, Romans 6 uses it. Uh, you're dead to sin, and this leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So it's not a word or a concept imported into the Bible or drawn together from pieces of the Bible. It's actually there. And uh, the, the English word, of course, has its roots in the Latin sanctus, which means holy. And that's really what the Greek is as well. T- to be sanctified is to be made holy. And th- that means usually being set apart as morally pure. It means real change in the Christian life. So sanctification is the process by which we become conformed to the image of Christ morally, spiritually, so that what we feel, what we think, and what we do changes. Stops being selfish, stops being worldly, stops being God-dishonoring, and becomes loving and kind and gracious and the fruits of the spirit would be Mm -hmm. a beautiful definition of becoming sanctified be holy as i am holy god says in first peter Um, so that would be a command be sanctified Mm -hmm. and what's distinct about it from other doctrines say justification is that it is progressive Mm -hmm we do not instantaneously on conversion become wholly sanctified. So Paul at the end of 1 Thessalonians is uh, praying that God will sanctify you wholly. And then he says, God is faithful. He will do it. Mm -hmm. Means it's not done yet. And and so we, we pray toward it and we engage in means of grace by which we make progress in sanctification. So in, in, in a nutshell, sanctification is the, the process by which uh, the Holy Spirit uh, engaging our will um, moves us toward holiness or towards conformity to Jesus Christ, or you could say towards sinlessness, which we never attain in this life, but which we strive toward. Let's press in just another moment on that justification-sanctification relationship because it's so important that we distinguish properly between the two. Uh, Give us again a nutshell on justification as it relates with sanctification. Yeah. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a, a, a beautiful statement of the once for allness of the nature of justification. When the Holy Spirit awakens our dead hearts to believe and simultaneously unites us through that faith to Christ, that union with Christ uh, establishes us in God's sight as righteous, that is, just. And so justification is the act whereby God counts us 
to be righteous or just or perfect or sinless in his sight because of our union with Christ. And my understanding of the dynamics of how that works is that uh, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, in order that in him, in him, union with Christ, I might become the righteousness of God. And I think righteousness of God, there is the righteousness of God that I have because of my union with his son, who has all of God's righteousness in his perfect life and obedience. So uh, justification is distinct from sanctification in that it is an imputation and accounting of me as having a righteousness which is alien to me. It is Christ's righteousness counted as mine. That's not the case with sanctification. Sanctification is not a counting of me or a treating of me or a viewing of me as righteous with an alien righteousness that belongs to Jesus. Sanctification begins instantaneously on that justification and I then start becoming what I am. So you get that passage in 1 Corinthians that uh, Christ is our Passover lamb and uh, we are a new lump of dough in him. So become what you really are. So I am justified, viewed in Christ as perfectly accepted. I couldn't be more accepted than I am. I couldn't be in justification more righteous than I am because I am righteous with the righteousness of Jesus. And now sanctification gets underway and it gets underway on the basis of my acceptance through justification. If I thought that my sanctification were an earning of my acceptance with God, I could get nowhere. I would be constantly performing legalistic works of law, which justifies no one. Justification is by faith alone, through grace alone, on the basis of Christ's righteousness alone, to the glory of God alone. And now begins this lifelong process of becoming in actual practice and attitude towards my wife and my children, my church, what God has made me in Christ. One thing we love to do on this podcast is turn to a few specific biblical texts. So maybe we can see that now. We talked about going to Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, and chapter 3, 12. Would you want to walk us through those uh, key texts on sanctification? and One of the reasons those texts are so helpful is that they address the issue of um, action and passivity. Or is it a gift from God or is it a duty of man? So here's the way Paul puts it in 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always, Philippians 2.12, as you have always obeyed, that's a very important word that I think sometimes today overlooked and downplayed, um, in, in the gospel movement that's abroad. You have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's the duty dimension. That's an address to me to engage my mind, my will, and make moral effort in acts of obedience. So if I find myself to be mean-spirited and impatient and unkind and insensitive towards my wife, I should not be merely 
passive waiting on God to zap me to change this. I need to, uh, which the next part of the verse is going to say, believe that he is the decisive cause. But he has now said, Piper, make war on that in yourself. Hate that about yourself and do whatever you can do biblically to attack that in yourself. Be aggressive. Work out your salvation. If God has saved you and is saving you from impatience and unkindness and lack of tenderness, work it out. Work it out. Take hold of it and make it happen. And here comes the verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the ground of my working, the ground of my doing my duty is that it's a gift. God is there working in my willing. If I have any will to make war on my sin, that's a gift of God. If I have any will to pursue means of grace in word and prayer and worship and fellowship and accountability, if I have any will to do any of that, God has worked that will. And if I make any triumphs over these attitudes, that's a gift of God. So there's no boasting in, in this. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But his grace toward me was not in vain, but I worked harder than any of them. Nevertheless, it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So there's the mystery of the Christian life, that he, he worked. Sanctification involves Paul working hard. He, he pummeled his body, lest he be a, a castaway. He saw things rising up in his old man, and he put them to death with a conscious, willed effort of Holy Spirit-inspired resolve. And when he was all done, he said, nevertheless, it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So that's, that's the first text. Is One that what you wanted to get at? About the end of verse twelve, the phrase "with fear and trembling." Work yeah. out your salvation, Paul yeah. says, with fear and trembling. And you pointed me, and I know others, to a quote by uh, Peter O'Brien that really helps with that phrase "with fear and trembling" and gets at this dynamic of how the Holy Spirit relates to yeah. sanctification. Yeah, I think he 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 did an Old Testament study of that phrase and said it ordinarily is related to the presence of the Almighty. Mm-hmm. When you're in the presence of the infinitely pure, uh, infinitely wise, infinitely powerful God, there is a fear and trembling in your life, not necessarily identical with terror that you're going to be squished like a bug, but rather the sheer it's, for example, last night we were in a meeting at the church and there was one of these big thunder rolls. Mm. And the first one was just magnificent. It rolled, felt like it rolled over the Twin Cities like a, you know, a three-mile-high boulder. And there was inside of me just a, a, just a sense of, that was big, <laughs> that was heavy, that was, and, and God's a billion times bigger, louder, heavier. And so you just don't mess with, with God. So he, he said, when, when it says then, with fear and trembling, the ground clause is for God is the one who is right here in you, present at work. Mm. This is God, the Holy Spirit, in your life. And, and you should stand 
in trembling wonder that you are indwelt by the creator of the universe Mm -hmm. who is at work in you to awaken your will to do good things. I mean, just the thought that the creator of the universe would, because of Christ in his mercy, inhabit this sinful person, John Piper, should make us just be mouth-droppingly in awe and trembling and fear. And then Philippians 3.12, we get another uh, glimpse into how the Apostle Paul thinks through this dynamic of sanctification. Yeah, I I love this verse, really, really love this verse, and uh, uh, let me read it and I'll say why. Not, Not that I have already obtained this. He's not, in other words, he's not raised from the dead yet, and and he says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. I think that's really important. I, I'm not a perfectionist. I don't think sinless perfection is possible in this life, even though Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So move in that direction, strive for that direction. But he also said, pray every day, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Because you wouldn't have to pray that every day if, if he thought, well, there'll come a day when you don't need to pray that. So here he says, not that I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So in my conversion, when Christ brought me to faith and through that faith united me to Christ, that's a fixed, finished, unchangeable, unshakable reality. And because of it, I press on to experience it in its fullness. So if, if people were to ask me, does all this striving you're talking about, all this working you're talking about, all this warfare you're talking about, doesn't that connote a kind of fragility to the Christian life? And like, I might not make it, and I can't have assurance. I go to this text and I say, wait a minute, look, I press on. He's not pressing on because Christ hasn't yet made him his own, and he hopes with fingers crossed that someday Christ may make him his own and he will get to heaven. It's just the opposite. I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. He has seized me. He has taken me. He has done the decisive work, and I am bound like a fetter to him. And now, on that confidence... I strain forward for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus and, and all the perfection that will go with it someday. So we have talked now about sanctification in general. And many discussions on sanctification end here. But there's more that you and I want to say about the particularity and about how it works psychologically day in and day out. So we're going to do a part two on sanctification. You can be looking for that podcast. And John, would you would you pray for us and for the listener as we wrap up this part one? Father in, in heaven, I pray earnestly for, for myself and for David and for any who is listening that we would be holy as you are holy, that we wouldn't take lightly your command to pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord according to Hebrews 12:14 Lord these are awesome realities that we have been seized and laid hold of and made your own 
by the Holy Spirit, through faith, by the agency of the word, we have been justified, and now we will be glorified. And in that process, you are making us holy. So grant us to join you in that great enterprise of bringing a people into conformity to your son who is jealous for, for good works, we pray, so that the world will see and give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.